Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Brianne Curtis, Communications Coordinator at Grain Farmers of Ontario, about the many public outreach events we attended in November. We will also get an update from Barry Semp, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario is pleased to see resolution of the CN rail strike and offers congratulations to Canadian National Railway and the Teamsters Canada Rail Conference on the resolution of the longest rail strike in a decade. The week-long strike quickly had a large, negative impact on grain farming in Ontario and across Canada, as much-needed propane was no longer being shipped by rail and had to be rationed at a time when farmers needed it more than ever to dry wet grain. Grain Farmers of Ontario expects the backlog to take some time to sort out before propane and other necessary items are moving at normal delivery cadence. The 2019 Ontario Soybean Variety Trial results are now available. The Ontario Soybean and Canola Committee conducts annual soybean variety trials to determine the performance, genetic potential, and adaptation of soybean varieties in the province of Ontario. Results of the 2019 Ontario Soybean Variety Trials are now available at gosoy.ca. The Ontario Soybean and Canola Committee is made up of representatives of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, the University of Guelph, Ontario Seed Growers Association, Canadian Seed Trade Association, Grain Farmers of Ontario, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, and various agricultural organizations. Grain Farmers of Ontario's January district meetings have been called. These meetings provide an update on the activities of the organization and are when district voting delegates and alternates are elected. Directors will also be elected in even-numbered districts in 2020. Go to gfo.ca for details on when and where your meeting will be held. All current farmer members that attend their January district meeting will have a chance to win one of three getaways. The grand prize is a trip for two to the Commodity Classic in San Antonio, Texas. The first runner-up prize is a weekend for two at Deerhurst Resort in Huntsville. And second runner-up prize is a weekend for two at Hockley Valley Resort near Orangeville. Three people at each January district meeting will be picked as finalists and will be entered into a draw for the getaways. All finalists will receive a Grain Farmers of Ontario prize pack. And now, here's my conversation with Brianne Curtis. Joining me on the podcast today, I have our communications coordinator in charge of public outreach, Brianne Curtis. Thanks for joining me today, Brianne. Yes, thank you. So you had a really busy November with Good and Every Grain. Can you tell me what events you attended? Sure. The busy time in November, I want to say, started the last week of October. Um, that's when we started and we attended uh, the Taste Canada Awards, which is the Cookbook Author Awards across Canada. And we were a sponsor for the awards this year. So we attended that gala um, in the cooking competition they have for students. And then from there, we attended the AJAC uh, Car Show Awards. Um, so that's where they give out the awards for the best new 
like Honda Civic or something along those lines. So we were able to showcase there and talk about biofuels and sustainability um, to all the manufacturers. And then next up, one of our biggest uh, events, the Royal Agriculture Winter Fair, took place uh, the first 10 days of November. And then we wrapped up the month with the the Gourmet Food and Wine Expo, also in Toronto, uh, talking to foodies and drink enthusiasts about how their food and drinks can be made from Ontario grains. Wow, that sounds like a busy month, but also kind of a fun month as (laughs) well, all those events. So what did we have at our royal display and were we involved in any of the special showcases there? Yeah, so uh, to start off with, we had our Growing Connections exhibit, which is our large 52-foot trailer. We had our big trailer down there um, and then we were also involved in two other um, smaller showcases exhibits. Uh, on the one Wednesday, we were able to have an interactive activity inside the main show ring, um, and it was called In the Ring. And so Anna Stubbings, our Grain Discovery Zone ambassador, was able to go to that smaller event at the Royal and was making uh, slime using cornstarch and corn oil with a lot of the school groups that came through. And then also on that day, we were uh, an exhibitor at the Dietitians of Canada Food and Nutrition Forum that they had at the Royal as well. That sounds interesting. Slime also sounds very messy as it well. Was, it was <laughs> chaos. I, I wasn't there um, with Anna. I was at the uh, other exhibit with the Food and Nutrition Forum, but she she was covered in cornstarch by the end of the day. It was it was really busy. That showcase was with a lot of school-age children, which there's a lot of at the Royal, and people from the city. So how did it go, and what were the most common questions you got asked? So I think in terms of the school groups that were coming through, the, most of the questions were actually revolving around climate change and the environment and the farmer's impact on that, which makes a lot of sense um, based on what we're seeing in the media and news and what people are talking about in consumer settings. Uh, so a lot of students were coming on asking the good things farmers are doing to protect the environment and also the things that could be changed, which may have a negative implication on the environment. Um, and then we also had people coming up just really asking like, are farmers good for the environment? What what are grain farmers doing that are good and protecting our resources and things like that? And then I think in just terms of the general public and what the um, like adults or families were asking was along the similar lines we see at other events, a lot of questions about um, GMOs and pesticide use, especially with some other ongoing uh, things in the media around that. That was really popular. And I think most people, though, were really thankful for farmers, it seemed, this year or were really interested, like, oh, how's harvest going? You know, we still see corn standing. Like, why is there still corn in the fields at this time of year? Why did farmers let it go yellow? So I think the questions were wide ranging this year, but I want to say we were pretty prepared, um, especially with the climate change questions. We were kind of expecting that a little bit. Mm -hmm. As you said, climate change has definitely been highlighted in the media this year. Uh, So is that something that was talked about at events like the Royal last year even, or is this kind of new this year, something that's been a lot more common? So I think last year um, we weren't talking or being asked specifically about like climate change and the environment and what farmers are doing, but we were definitely being asked um, along the lines of, hey, what does sustainability mean for Ontario grain farmers and how is that used on a day-to-day basis? practice on the farms so I think the questions about sustainability and how farmers are uh, protecting our environment has always kind of been there but this year it was way more like upfront like oh are farmers wrecking our environment are they causing climate change yes or no give me reasons why so it was a way more upfront and um, obvious this year I want to say and were people receptive to what answers we were giving them or were they kind of already had their opinions that farmers were bad or like were they open to learning about what you had to say? I I think it depends on who like there was a couple situations where I want to say that they were not receptive to what we were saying. Um, 
I had one gentleman from a, a school group who who was coming up and he was asking the other questions the other school groups were asking. But I think he already had pre made up his mind of where farmers fit in on the climate change aspect, specifically where it came from livestock farmers. And so that was a bit of a tricky question where he wanted to tell me that, you know, I was wrong, where, you know, we're not there to argue. We're just there to be like, here's the facts. Take them as you want kind of deal. But I think for the most part, most of the students were just receptive to the fact that they were able to talk to, to farmers on hand who were there or to see the information presented and were like, oh, OK, like this is the information I was looking for. Thanks. But there was a couple that they didn't quite want to listen. As there always will be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so at the Royal, we had our big trailer that you mentioned. So that has multiple display components. Uh, so you can, can you talk a little bit about what we had there and what people found most interesting or most interactive? Sure. So our uh, large Growing Connections exhibit is a 52-foot trailer that folds out into four stages. So we have the one movie theater stage that we are showcasing what harvest and planting looks like going on in the fields and what the grains look like as they're growing. On the, the front entranceway stage, we had our four crop displays. So that was showing the barley, corn, oats, soybeans, and wheat through their life cycles and as they grow from when they first come out of the ground until they're mature, which was actually very helpful this year when a lot of people were stopping by asking why farmers were letting their corn go yellow and die in the fields. And we were able to show that it's just a natural process. And then we also had uh, our cover crop display, which showcases um, how cover crops are able to hold water and uh, any other nutrients in the fields in the fields um, by the root system. So that was pretty popular, especially when we were talking about sustainability and climate change. And we were able to showcase like, oh, here is what farmers are doing in the fields. They plant cover crops or they plant winter wheat going into winter to hold things in place. Um, and then lastly, we had a couple tech components. We had our trivia games, which we brought out at the CNE this year. And so that was a pretty popular exhibit. The kids were pretty excited to quiz each other and have a little competitions of who is smarter on Ontario grain farming. And the parents were able to jump in a little bit and learn a little bit about grain farming and, and all that stuff. So it was good. That's good. It sounds like a lot of fun on there. Yeah, it was. It was busy. <laughs> so compared to the CNE, which is also in right in Toronto and it's a longer show being over a week long, do you think that a lot of people came to the Royal specifically to learn about agriculture? Like, do you find you have the most productive conversations at that show? Yes, I would say so. I think at the Royal, if you're someone who is against modern agriculture, you probably are not going to attend the the Royal Fair just because it is an agriculture-based show at the heart of it. Um, and we see that with their growing shows and the growing education area that they try to put a lot of effort into every year compared to the CNE where the farm building is just one component. It's not, it's not all supposed to be based on agriculture. So I think at the Royal, we do have a lot more positive conversations and a lot more of just, oh, I heard something online. I don't know what the truth is. Tell me what is the truth or just... The curious questions, again, I'm going back to the corn of like, oh, I was driving up north the other day and saw corn in the fields. Like, why is there corn still in the fields? So I think at the Royal, it's a lot more positive and open-minded thinking with some questions of, oh, I read this in the media. What is the truth? Where's the science? Where's the evidence to back it up? Another event you attended was the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, can you explain a bit more about our partnership with them? Sure. So I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but we also worked very closely with the Hamilton Tiger Cats leading up to their not Grey Cup victory, unfortunately, but their, their a really good attempt at it. But we were working with the players on going to high school football teams within the Hamilton area to talk to the high school football players about health and nutrition as well as the technical aspects of football. So the Hamilton Tiger Cats do a high school mentorship program where they bring professional 
players to these high schools to talk to the players to uh, showcase, you know, the different techniques they need to succeed or to remind them, you know, their goals in life are just as important as what they're doing on the field. Basically, just be really good mentors for them. So we were able to be part of that and showcase the health and nutrition side of things. So for the the game we attended, the two practices, we brought uh, snacks down to feed the players. So we had soy energy bites, which were uh, soy butter and oats. And then we also had overnight oats in a jar, which is a great breakfast option that we were able to explain to a lot of the players that morning after a big tournament or game, you still need to be putting nutrients back into your body. And that overnight oats in a jar is a great way to be uh, bringing that back in and adding in that fiber and the nutrients and things like that. So that was a pretty big aspect that we did in November as well. Um, and it was really awesome to see the high school players get excited to see the professional players, but also, you know, they were up in their A game a little bit during those practices. You know, they were trying their best to throw the farthest or have the best tackle or whatever. And the players, the professional players from the Ticats were getting super into it as well to, you know, be passing along that knowledge, but also having a good time as well. So sponsoring a Canadian sports team isn't something that most people would really think generally fits in with an agriculture commodity organization. So why do you see this partnership and events like that as beneficial? I think the reason we have seen this um, as beneficial is because when you get back to any professional sports or professional athletes, it all breaks down into basically two pillars, you know, the talent and the skill to do whatever discipline they're in and also to be able to feed and fuel their bodies properly. And a lot of uh, science and registered dietitians out there will say that grains are a part of a healthy diet and that you need that fuel that can come from the different grains. You know, for oats, for example, um, oats are a slow burning energy source. And so professional athletes will eat a lot of oats or oatmeal to get that energy they need. So for us, it just fit in very well in a not so like straightforward way in a really unique way to showcase that, you know, these professional players, they're trading with grains, you know, they're including grains in their bodies. Everyone else should be as well because it's, it's good for our bodies. And so um, the different partnerships we've used with the professional teams um, has just really paid off to be able to push the health and nutrition side of things. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes sense. Um, so how did the high school players react to getting receiving snacks at their practice? I'm sure they're probably happy to get food. And did they get the connection with the grains? I think so. I think definitely the soy energy bites. At first, everyone was like, oh, what are those? Like they they didn't like the look at them. But then after a few of them had a couple bites, they're like, oh, this is really good. And then just being able to say to them like, oh, this is soybeans are full of protein. This is a protein based snack that if you just need something on the go, that was something that resonated with them. And then also with the overnight oats, just letting them know that it's full of fiber and that slow burning energy source you could see the wheels turning being like, oh, like this would be perfect leading up to a big tournament or to have this the morning of a big game or something to keep me going. So I think the wheels were turning and they were getting the connection um, and it, it seemed to go really well. They were really hungry after their practices. So they, they really enjoyed the snacks. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so what else did we do with the Tiger Cats this season? So this season, uh, we started off last spring um, with another education-based program. Uh, they bring in elementary schools from the Hamilton area to uh, get fit or be fit with the Hamilton Tiger Cats at their Be Fit Day. So we were able to be a part of that. And we had one of the stations was grain based. So students were learning uh, the different um, food products that could be made from Ontario grains, as well as the different health and nutrition benefits to those products. We were talking um, back to the soybeans with the tofu being made from soybeans and that protein source while also talking about oats and corn and barley and uh, wheat and all the other grains to show that these grains can be part of a healthy balanced diet and a lot of these students didn't know you know thinking about their cereals they they didn't quite make the connection to grains so even just making that little bit of a connection to them so they understood was a was a really benefit and 
we got to be on the Hamilton Tiger Cats field during that day, which was kind of awesome as well, running on the turf with them. So it was a good day. So moving on to another event, you mentioned the Taste Canada Awards. That's another not-so-typical agriculture-focused event. Uh, So can you tell me a bit about that event and how we were involved? For Taste Canada, um, again, it was a celebration of the cookbook authors and like foodies across Canada. And so we were able to be a part of that by being a a partner for the night. And we were able to work with co-sponsoring the cooking competition. So at the awards gala, they bring in student chefs from all across Canada from the different culinary schools to do a cooking competition. And the winner receives, you know, bragging rights. They get a whole bunch of really cool like kitchen gadgets and swag and things like that so we were a co-sponsor for that this year and the team that we got to directly sponsor was Thistletown Collegiate which is actually based outside of Toronto and it was the only high school team in the competition and so that was really awesome that our girls were not only up against people much older than them because they were from high school but they were able to create this beautiful barley risotto and seared duck with a soy glaze dinner and it looked really good and they did a great job so that was one of the components we were involved in and we were also able to bring all those students together from the cooking competition to sit down and talk with farmers and to ask their questions about you know they're the ones handling the food they also get questions on the other end of things of where it's grown and to be able to talk to a farmer to better understand where the food is coming from and then lastly uh at the end of the night they did a farm to table marketplace where they brought in all sorts of chefs that partner with different commodity groups uh like the egg farmers dairy farmers things like that and the chef that we sponsored uh ted reader who's the notorious barbecue king of ontario um he makes his own like barbecue sauces and I was told he has like 60 barbecues in his backyard at any given time, constantly, you know, barbecuing stuff and coming up with different recipes. So we partnered with him to make uh, a grilled sausage and barley risotto dish um, to go along with the different tasting that was happening in that room that night. So there was um, different stations for everyone to go and try different foods from the different uh, commodity groups across Canada. Um, And then ours was uh, the barley risotto again. So that was really awesome to try those different foods and to also work with a professional chef on creating a grain based dish sounds like a delicious event to it attend. It was great. <laughs> Another delicious event was our final event of the event season, which was the Gourmet Food and Wine Expo. So can you tell me a bit more about that event and what we had at our booth? Sure. So the Gourmet Food and Wine Expo um, was taking place in downtown Toronto uh, the last weekend of November. And this was a really busy event, but a really fun event for us to attend. So we were showcasing three items this year. We were showcasing a liquor or a spirit made from Ontario grain. But this year, instead of focusing on whiskey, as we have done in the past, we actually partnered with Willabold Farm Distillery from Air Ontario, and we were showcasing their gin. And their gin is made from 100% Ontario corn and Canadian barley and uh, I think they also have rye in that mix as well so that was really awesome to showcase again not only a spirit or a liquor that can be made here locally from local grains but something that was really unique and different that most people were either a little hesitant to try the gin or were like oh I didn't I didn't realize gin had corn in it I thought that was only whiskey um so that was really awesome to showcase that and then across the lounge space from our bar area we were also showcasing barley coffee this year so we have found out that uh Cafe d'Orzo or barley coffee originated in Europe and in Italy during the first and second world wars when coffee beans were not easily uh, accessible and so they turned to what they had which was a lot of grains especially in Italy and that became a delicacy and it's now something that's growing in popularity here in North America because it's caffeine free which a lot of people are looking towards to you know still get their caffeine fixed but not have like five cups of coffee a day or whatever so we were showcasing barley coffee which was very popular 
And then lastly, to go with the coffee, we had a cornmeal cookie, um, which we made here in Guelph with a local bakery, which was also made from 100% Ontario corn. So it was a really local showcasing of mostly uh, corn and barley this year. And we had a lounge space and table and seating for people to sit down and enjoy their, their beverages or their foods or whatever. And we were able to chat with them about how the grains were grown and how they can be used in more than just bread and pasta and cereals as people commonly think mostly when they think of grain foods. So the barley coffee, that's definitely a different thing. You said it's growing in popularity in North America, but I know there's lots of people who haven't heard of it. So what was kind of the overall reaction or like what were kind of the flavors of it? Sure. So we were showcasing uh, different flavors. So we were able to buy a a barley coffee brand from Metro grocery stores. So we were showcasing uh, like a French roast, a vanilla nut, a hazelnut, a mocha one as well with the chocolate flavor. So I think for the most part, people were really we're really into it. They a lot of people were looking for caffeine, especially later in the evening. But when they found out that it was a caffeine-free alternative, a lot of people said, "Oh, I can like mix my regular coffee with some barley coffee to eliminate the amount of caffeine, but still get my coffee fix and get that flavor." And a lot of people were expressing at how flavorful barley, barley coffee is. It runs along the same lines as an espresso, but because of the rich nutty texture that barley has when you're cooking with it, those flavors were coming through. And a lot of people said they could smell the malt in it. It reminded them of beer slightly because of that uh, strong malt flavor. So it was a really unique drink that didn't take away from the grains. People, as soon as they heard barley coffee and smelled it, they were like, oh yeah, like this is barley. Like I can smell it. I can taste it. This is definitely a unique beverage. So that was really awesome that people were super receptive of it. So this event definitely gets us in front of a more foodie audience and less of an agriculture education event. So what were some of the conversations you had at this event? I think most of the conversations around this event were focused on supporting local and local products and the unique things that can be made from grains. We didn't have too many hard-hitting questions about like GMOs or pesticides or anything like that. We had a couple people ask if like the coffee or the the gin were like GMO-free or something like that. But I found it was more positive. Oh, this is from Ontario, Ontario Grains. That's awesome. It's local. How can I support that? So that was really exciting to hear and to see that so many Torontonian food foodies and like drink enthusiasts were super excited to see a local product Um, and then we also did get some questions about harvest and how that was going um, because it was in the middle of the uh, CN rail strike so we were getting some questions about propane and how the how the farmers were handling that and how harvest was going which was also a little bit exciting to see that consumers were seeing what we were putting out there about the CN rail strike and it was resonating so much that as soon as they saw grain farmers at a food event they immediately were like oh harvest is hard for these people right now and that was kind of awesome to to know that they were thinking of it and asking us about it and concerned about it as well. What were some of the other showcases that we were part of at this event? On the Thursday night, uh, we were able to do two different tastings in the show. So on the chef stage, we had uh, Emily Richards come out and do an international flavor meal based on Ontario grains. So she was creating different foods that could be found around the world with some different flavors. And that was all grain based. So that went over really well. I think most people were pretty excited to see some unique dishes that could be made from local products. Um, And then we also worked with Cam, co-founder of Willowbald Farm Distillery, to showcase and do a a tasting of his gin at the tasting stage so um the visitors that were visiting us there were able to taste um the cocktail we were making which was an autumn sour using the gin as well as original gin and the pink gin which has actually been aged in a wine barrel so it has a bit of a pink hue and a little bit of a sweeter honeyer taste so we were able to work with him to do that tasting and to talk about you know 
this gin is made from Ontario grains. Let's hear from a grain farmer and how that is done and talk a little bit about the sustainability with that, um, as well as going on in the tasting notes as well. So Taste Canada and the Gourmet Food and Wine Expo are both food-focused events without a spotlight on agriculture. So why do you think it's important for Good in Every Grain to also be part of events like these? I think it's important for Good in Every Grain to be invested in these events as well, because at the end of the day, agriculture equals food. And I think a lot of people are losing that message and that touch that, you know, farmers out there in their combines harvesting corn and soybeans that's that's our food right there that's going to be made into food somehow as well as being made into the other products but i think as people are becoming more and more interested in food and gourmet food and you know trying different recipes and different foods from different cultures it all comes back down to the ingredients and what it's made out of and that's where the grains come into that story of saying yeah that's a great dish that you can find across the world you can make it here using ontario grains and so i think those conversations and those opportunities to get involved with that and to you know, remind people whether they're a cookbook author or, you know, a media blogger that talks specifically about food in Toronto, things like that, that local food comes from local grains, which comes from local farmers. To just come back to the story of Ontario farmers and what we're doing in the fields and how, you know, doing the quality work is equaling quality grains, which equals quality food that they can then use in their futures or their their livelihoods. So continuing with talking about the Good in Every Grain brand itself, uh, when did it start and what are its main goals or messages? Good in Every Grain started in June 2014. The campaign moved away from the Farmers Feed Cities campaign, which was originally designed to bring awareness to Ontario grains and farmers and things like that, but it wasn't quite hard-hitting enough that people were getting Grains, Farmers Ontario, they weren't getting those those different pillars. Um, so Good Never Grain was developed to talk to consumers and basically tell them the good story of Ontario grains, whether that's the good work being done by farmers in the fields, the good quality standards we have here in the province and across the country, the different uh, good items that you can find in your households that are made from the good grains. And so those are kind of the key messages that started out from that transition. And it's evolved then to still talk about those, those pillars of you know good grains equals good food and those good grains are grown by good farmers that are working hard to grow quality grains but it's also evolved and you know grains are part of a healthy balanced diet and they deserve to be at the table um, with all the other commodity groups and other food groups and to be known that there's a lot of misconceptions out there about grain farming and what work is being done in the fields or about the grains and the health themselves Um, but it all stems down to they're part of our diets and they belong there and farmers work really hard growing the grains to make sure that they're they're quality to be quality food. So now that all the Good and Every Grain events have wrapped up in 2019 do you have any new plans for Good and Every Grain in 2020? Yeah, I would say we're still just trying to wrap up from the fall. So we're still working through that. But I think moving forward for the beginning of 2020 as we wrap up this fiscal year and then starting for next year as well is just getting more on the education bandwagon, getting in front of educators, whether that's parents or registered dietitians or teachers or students or whoever falls under that that umbrella to get in front of them to be like, here is how farmers are growing your food. Here is the science behind it. Here is why what you may have read on Facebook isn't quite true. And here's the truth. And I think that's something going forward that we need to put more effort into because of the misconception and misinformation that's taking off online and getting out there and You know, you always hear stories of educators accidentally getting it wrong and saying the wrong thing when we we know the truth and 
we should be out there educating the educators to then educate the growing population or the the newcomers to the country or the up, up and coming students or whatever it may be. So I think moving forward 2020 and then into the next future years, that'll definitely be a huge focus for us is getting in front of the educators to basically educate the public about Ontario grains. That sounds awesome. Well, that was a great way to wrap up the interview. So thank you, Brianne, for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. Joining me on the podcast today, I have our CEO, Barry Senf. Thanks for taking the time to join me today, Barry. Hi, Megan. Good to be here. On our last podcast, we were talking to Marcus a bit about Harvest, and then at the time, CN was on strike. So how's Harvest going now, and what's it looking like with the resolution of the strike? Well, Harvest is continuing. We had uh, a decent, most part of the province had a decent week last week, so a good chunk got off. But there's... Um, there's significant corn yet to be um, harvested, even some soybeans I'm hearing. Uh, again, depending on the areas, some significant amounts. So um, the harvest of 2019, as we moved into December, continues. Regarding the strike um, and the propane issue that uh, we were facing, uh, the shortage of propane through that strike, I'm understanding that deliveries are taking place, maybe not as quickly as uh, it normally would be, but um, starting to move and to get onto uh, the farmer's drying facility, so that is positive. But it'll it'll take a little while yet for it to be back to what uh, we considered normal. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, it seems like this 2019 harvest just keeps dragging on and on and on. It is. For some, it's going to be moving into the new year, which is uh, not a good situation, but uh, hopefully Mother Nature cooperates with us and that that does uh, get left up over the new year isn't there for very long. So I understand you're also recently on a trade mission with Soy Canada in Europe. Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. Well, Soy Canada came representing the, uh, the value chain for the soy industry right across Canada organized a uh, trade mission over to Italy, Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany. And along with our chair, Ernie Skirtsky, from uh, Manitoba uh, Soybeans and Pulses, and uh, some staff from uh, Soy Canada, we also had with us in attendance some soybean exporters, because, of course, that's where it it all hopefully ends up, is that being a sale of uh, soybeans. So we held four seminars uh, in those respective countries where uh, interested parties came to the seminars to hear about soybean production. From a Canadian perspective, uh, I presented on the sustainability issue. Sustainability, of course, is a big issue in Europe where it first started a good number of years ago. And we had a speaker from the Canada Grains Council speak about new technology and, and sea trade. So it was, uh, you know, the, the challenge now with all this trade disruption is that Europe had been a good market for us. When the t- uh, tariffs went on between China and the U.S., the U.S. had to find some home for those uh, beans that weren't going to China, and Europe was a big target. And it really affected us uh, over the last year. So we got to get back in there and, and let it be known that uh, we've got some good soybeans to be sold, and uh, that's what the mission was all about. Right. Well, that sounds good. Coming up, we have our January district meetings. So is there anything you want to mention about that? Or why do you think it's important for our farmer members to come out to their district meeting? Well, I think it is important, Megan, for farmers to get out. It's their organization. The direction of the organization comes in significance by those meetings, the resolutions, uh, discussions that come out of those meetings. It's the shareholder meeting. 
And, you know, it's it's good for farmer members to come out, uh, meet with their board member, maybe think about uh, taking a position of, as a delegate, and to hear what the organization is doing on their behalf. And again, for the organization to hear what the farmer members' priorities are. So if you look on our website, the list of the 15 meetings is on the website, along with the times and locations. So we urge you to, to come out. We got a bit of an incentive for those attending, and their names go into a draw, and, and we have um, a draw for two for a trip to the Commodity Classic in the, uh, in the U.S. coming up at the end of February. So we hope to see as many of our uh, farmer members out to those meetings as there can be. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for taking the time to chat with me today. No problem, Megan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Brianne Curtis and Barry Semph. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.